Welcome to Girl Meets 30, a podcast exploring the unexpected journey to becoming a 30-something. Hi, I'm your host, Tara, here to share experiences from my 20s that have changed my life, while also interviewing others about their journeys. Through these conversations, I hope to inspire you to choose your best life and to prove you're not alone if you're feeling like life has taken you somewhere totally different than where you expected. In this space, we define our own success. Hey, what's up, you guys? Happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode. Super excited. I think that I'm finally feeling better. This is, I mean, this is what I really should be grateful for. This is what I should be talking about in the gratitude section, but it's it's not what I plan to talk about. But I'm finally able to make it through multiple sentences without not being able to breathe. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So I'm very happy about that, but let's just get into it. So for gratitude this week, Mike had mentioned that he's getting ready to go to Florida. And I just felt like I had to talk about this because guys, everyone is going to Florida right now. Everyone. I feel like I either know people who just went to Florida, people who were there last week, people who are there this week. I'm going in two weeks and I don't even like Florida. Sorry, Florida. I don't do heat well. And Florida is like one of the hardest places (laughs) for heat I think in like the entire U.S. like I I will spend summer in Texas it's fine I mean it's not fine but it's a whole heck of a lot better in my opinion than dealing with like summer in Florida I just can't do it but apparently that's why people tend to hide in the air conditioning so there's that but it does seem like everyone's had some pretty great trips and I am excited for mine regardless of the fact that I really don't love Florida But anyway, Mike, I hope that you enjoy your trip. I hope you have a great time and safe travels and just enjoy yourself. We all deserve some time off. So even if you aren't going on some like, you know, spring break vacation, I still think that it's a good time to just take some time for yourself. I don't know about you guys or if it's because of the fact that I was in school for so long and then I was also a teacher. But for whatever reason, I'm assuming it's just through routine like my whole life. But I am so lazy in summer. Like I find it so hard to be productive and to hit my goals in like just about anything. And I think, I don't know, I I'm excusing myself from that by just saying it's because like my body is not in work mode at that point and then August hits and I get this like burst of energy and I don't know if there's any truth to that I don't know if there's any like psychology that explains that but it feels very real to me and you know in my head I feel like it makes sense and so because this is the time where like we would normally be getting into like spring break roughly you know I think it's totally normal and totally fine to just like take a break for yourself even if it's like a little staycation or like one day off to give you like a long weekend or whatever you do to recharge like just take a little break because I don't know I think it's worth it I think you don't need an excuse to take a break anyway I think that it's more important that you relax and you refill your cup but if you're looking for an excuse to do it now then you can take my advice (laughs) to say that it's when your body naturally wants one because of all of your years of conditioning and also just to kind of break up the end of winter it's almost springtime and if you're somebody that doesn't like winter which as I talked about in a previous episode is a very large number of people then it's a good way to vacay and kind of reset before spring and to help you get through the last few weeks of cold weather or month or two potentially depending on where you're at and how unpredictable your weather is like in ohio and depending on the year we could get snow into like may (laughs) it's crazy But anywho, as for me and my gratitude this week, I actually did want to talk to you guys about another app. I know last week I talked about the app Otter and the way that it helps me, but this is my first week using the To Do app. So it is spelled T-E-U-X-D-E-U-X. So it's pronounced like it would be in French, which would be to do, but this does not mean to do in French, just so we're clear. In the past, I've seen, you know, productivity gurus or whatever you want to call them on YouTube talk about using this app. And it's something that I've considered, but I never really thought that I needed it. I have a planning system that works relatively well for me. And I don't know, it just seemed unnecessary. Recently, I was feeling really kind of demotivated and I just started watching some YouTube videos again and I was reminded of this app and I I did think that it looked interesting, but I just didn't think that it was something that I needed, especially because I think it costs like two bucks a month. Not that that's a lot of money, but like if I have a system that's working relatively well for me, like I don't need to add something on. But guys, I decided to give it a try and I love this app. I really do. And I can't even explain how it's been so effective for me, but it is 
offering me so much mental clarity and so much flexibility. I've gotten so much work done. I mean, it's not like it's been very long. It's been one week. <laughs> Cute, bare naked lady song. But it has helped me immensely. If the next like three weeks or so of this go well, I will definitely let you guys know. But this first week has been, I don't want to say life changing because I know that that is dramatic, but it's, I can't, you guys, I've gotten so, so much work done. And I've had so much more time to relax and time to myself. Look, time is valuable. I'm not going to say time is money. It can be argued that that is true. But more than anything, time is valuable. Whether that's time that could be spent earning more money, whether that's time that could be spent spending time with people you care about, whether that's time that could be spent investing in yourself, it doesn't matter. Time is valuable and you can't get it back. So when you find a system that allows you to accomplish things in less time than you normally would, or that keeps you from wasting time when you tell yourself that you're being productive, but then you're actually just just distracted by making stickers related to the task that you should be doing, which is me speaking from personal experience, which you may have seen recently on my Instagram. I wish I knew why this worked so well for me. I think it's the simplicity of it. I'm not sure. I can't say that it's going to work this way for everyone, but it has been so good. And I think, I do think that it has something to do with the way that I've applied it with my calendar too, like find a way to kind of marry these two systems and it has worked really, really well. And I just really hope that I can keep it up. The cool thing about it is that it's like a to-do list. It is no surprise that I love this concept though. Like for me, I really love these ideas of like old school analog kind of formats, like pen and paper being formed into digital or being put into digital forms. This is why that I create the products that I do. I create digital planners and digital stickers and kind of things to emulate that sort of traditional planner feel, but I do it all digitally. And I use an Apple Pencil so I can write as if it's a normal pen. Well, to-do in a way does a similar thing because it takes the traditional idea of a to-do list and it digitizes it. It's like the impermanence of it makes it so you can be more productive. It's arguably less analog than the type of planning that I usually do. Like the to-do list part isn't actually the same as like writing out a to-do list and like ticking it off, but you can type your to-do list and you can click on things to check it off. And there are plenty of apps that do that kind of thing. But I think the flexibility of this, the moving it from day to day, the being able to, well, you can italicize and you can bold things, you can turn things into headers and stuff. It's really nice. But you can set up repeat tasks so that things are kind of just like automated for you, which is one of the nicer features. I really like that. But you can also create lists in the bottom part of the website. And so from that point, you can like create these lists of things that you want to do in the future pertaining to whatever it is you created the list for. And then when you go to plan your week, you can just drag them from spot to spot. It's nice. Maybe I'll put a video or something up of like me using it at some point, just so you guys can kind of get a visual of this. And also there are plenty of YouTubers that actually like have explanations of how they, they use this and how they plan it. But like it's worked really well for me. And I, I feel like it's very simple and effective. And the fact that you can just like drag things from day to day, like, oh, I didn't accomplish this today. I cannot stress enough how having flexibility in your schedule is one of like the most important things and not just being like oh I didn't get things done today tomorrow's going to be different but like no just understanding that life gets in the way sometimes and there are things that are unpredictable and you might have a big to-do list to do and then like unfortunately you just don't get to accomplish everything on that list so you can just drag things to the next day or to Wednesday or Thursday and you can kind of see the whole week and see like okay where is a good time that I can actually fit this task in or you can reprioritize things say like this actually needs to be done tomorrow but I can move things from tomorrow to the next day. And so it gives you that, like you've got this big overall to-do list of things you have to accomplish, but you can prioritize them by day and the amount of time that it takes just by dragging them where they should go. Mentally, it works really well for me. It helps me keep my brain organized, helps me stay on top of things, helps me prioritize. And so I've been loving it. I really, really, really love it. And it's resulted in me having more free time than I usually have, which is excellent. And not only that, but I'm having more relaxed downtime. So I'm able to schedule downtime, but I'm also being more productive. So I'm rewarding myself by not adding a whole bunch of extra things to my task list, which is what I would normally do. So when I have this organization and I'm like confident that I have enough time to complete everything, I'm not stressing about what am I going to do with this free 20 minutes like I normally would. I'm like, oh, I have time later in the week to complete all this stuff. I've already planned it. So I'm just actually going to take a break for 20 minutes and just enjoy whatever. Take a nap, watch a YouTube video, whatever it is that's going to make me feel relaxed. It's great. It's really great. Anyway, if you want to check it out, I highly recommend it personally, although I've only been doing it for a week. So also if you want to wait a few weeks and see if I have an update, feel free. It's a cheap website. I think you can get a 30-day free trial when you start it. And then I think it's only like $2 a month or something after that. 
But anyway, that's it for me and my Monday of gratitude. I am so excited about how well this week has gone and how much I've accomplished, how much less stressed I am, and how much more time I've just had to myself. It's been really, really great and makes me feel really good and makes me feel really balanced. So that's what I'm grateful for this week. As for everyone else, please feel free to hop on over to my Instagram. I think I might actually put a post in my feed and on my stories. So in case you listen to this on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday and you haven't been able to share because you've already missed my Instagram story, well, I want to give everyone the opportunity to share their thoughts. So I think I'm going to start doing that on Mondays too. But you can either check out my feed or check out my story and participate in next week's Monday Moment of Gratitude. So, guys, today you're going to be talking about how we use social media and the internet for good and for bad. All right, so I wanted to go over what you guys had responded to my Instagram stories. So I had asked, what do you mostly use social media for? 40% of you guys said learning something new, 40% said pure entertainment, and 20% said to share and document your life. I think, realistically, we all probably use it for a combination of this, but I wanted to get, like, your primary answer. So for me, I feel like, especially when I was traveling a lot, I used to share and document my life a lot and I still do like to document my travels on Instagram but to be honest I don't see a lot of the things that I do on my day-to-day worth documenting I guess and sure I do get some entertainment as well but I think primarily for me I use every form of social media for learning something new. The next question was, how much time per day do you spend online? So the average here was nearly three hours. So every day, on average, nearly three hours. I wonder how much of this is, like, accurate or just, like, people kind of guesstimating because there's so many ways to, like, check your screen time now. So it could have been pretty accurate. People might know their screen time well. I find that the number is always a lot higher than you think it is until you start using the screen time thing, and then sometimes it can drop so drastically because you're paying attention, you know? All right, next is a this or that section. So between YouTube and Pinterest, 80% of people said they prefer YouTube, which is fair. Then I did Instagram or Facebook. No surprise, 91% of people said Instagram. 9% said Facebook. Then it was Twitter versus Snapchat. I also think that this was probably not very surprising either. I don't personally use either of these, but 78% said Snapchat and 22% said Twitter. And then between Instagram Reels and TikTok, again, not really surprised by this. People, of course, prefer TikTok, but I don't know. I see, I understand the TikTok thing, but I'm also afraid of how powerful its algorithm is and I don't want to get sucked into it and lose all of my time to TikTok. So even when I like tried to use TikTok a couple years ago, my first night I was on it for like four hours and I was like, I'm done. I'm deleting this app. (laughs) And I like wasn't even interacting enough with that content for TikTok to fully understand me yet. I cannot imagine how after interacting with it, how my for you page would have looked eventually. Like if I was actually interacting and how much more like of a time sucker it would have been. I don't want to risk that. I don't want to get into it. I would really have to be strict and limit myself, I think, with TikTok because TikTok is so easy to just lose yourself to. Next question was, do you personally post daily on social media, whether that's stories, posts, videos, etc.? And only 20% of people said yes. And I kind of saw this as like a shockingly low number. I mean, I don't post daily, I guess. I used to post daily on my stories, though. And I feel like a lot of people do that on Snapchat. I'm just surprised that so many people get on to consume social media rather than create posts themselves. That is a a small number. Next question was, do you interact with others daily? So comments, likes, messages, things like that. And this one, of course, got a much higher number. This is 91% say yes, 9% say no. And so yeah, it makes sense. If you're on social media, but you're not posting, that you would be on it to interact with people like that. Yeah, I get that. Makes sense that that number is so high. And even if you are somebody who is creating things for social media, you're still probably also getting on to connect with people as well. So the very last question is, what appeals to you most about social media? So this was one of those write-in responses. And we got quite a few that were about just keeping up with friends So connecting with people who live far away, with people who are having new adventures in their life, you know, just kind of staying in touch with people, that kind of general thing, and then some answers about entertainment as well. 
social media by definition is generally about staying in touch with people, right? It's about knowing what your friends are up to. And so it doesn't surprise me that that was like the most common response. It's kind of interesting to see how everyone's habits are very different and that we all prefer different platforms for different reasons. So just thank you to everyone who participated and gave me some information to work off of. everyone's opinion about these platforms, I wanted to share a little bit about each of these platforms and their purposes, what they're good for, what they're not good for. And just keep in mind that like in general across social media, the negatives can be pretty similar. But I do kind of want to momentarily talk about each of them separately. So where better to start than my personal least favorite? I'm just going to be real here and say that I do not, nor have I ever, understood the appeal of Facebook. Though I would have to say that based on the responses, it doesn't seem like Facebook has very much popularity anymore, which I feel like has been dwindling for quite a while at this point. When I originally started planning this, I realized that I was just ranting, like intensely ranting about Facebook. I have a lot of issues with that platform and I have felt that way for a long time. But unfortunately, in my eyes, I feel like Facebook has just never done anything to redeem itself, like literally since its inception. But I'm going to pull back here already because there's just that's not the point of today. And it's also the reason that I had to rewrite this portion of the script. So instead of making myself do that again, instead of ranting, I'm just going to try my best to talk about Facebook in an unbiased way. We'll see how I do. <laughs> it probably won't be totally unbiased. I'm just going to say that, but we'll see. So Facebook has been around for a long time. We all know this. And to be clear, I'm talking about Facebook specifically. So not Instagram, not Meta, which was obviously formerly called Facebook. If you weren't aware, they like changed the name of, I guess, the parent company, if you will. So instead of Facebook owning everything, they now have Meta as the name of the company that owns Facebook and owns Instagram. <laughs> Anyway, I will also include Messenger in here. With Facebook Messenger, you basically like cannot have a Messenger account unless you have a Facebook account. And I think the only thing that kind of is different there is with children because children can have their kids' Messengers accounts without having like a kid's Facebook page. But anyway, I'm kind of lumping Messenger in with Facebook. Some of the benefits of having a Facebook account are that it's pretty much accessible to anyone of all ages. <laughs> But also having a Facebook business account gives you the option to have a business profile on Instagram now that Instagram is owned by Facebook. As far as I know, Facebook is still one of the best platforms for building an online community, whether that's for a blog, for local groups with similar interests, for larger, more distant groups with similar interests, for your own small business, for discussion groups relating to a course. I mean, anytime you want to create like a community online or some place for a discussion, Facebook groups are good for that. Um, the business pages and the targeted ad campaigns are clearly something that's still worth investing in. They're very commonly used. Um, and also Facebook Marketplace seems to be pretty popular as well. I've personally never used it, but it seems like there are quite a lot of people who do. And I guess, yeah, those to me are the features of Facebook that kind of stand out the most is still being strong features. But then there's the general usage from like when Facebook began, you know, the, the basics, like posting updates, commenting on people's walls, liking people's posts and photos, wishing people happy birthday, keeping in touch with friends and family, and just like all around being social. But I don't really see it being used like this anymore, at least not all that much and it seems to be just less and less. It's very much a hot spot for older people which has led younger people to shift to other apps and and honestly I don't know maybe it's even the reverse now that I think about it maybe it's just these other apps have come along in younger generations because they adapt more easily to technology and we like new and exciting apps we like change that we were more than willing to try those out and turn to them and see the the newest latest and greatest things what older generations would have stayed with the platform that they were comfortable with so they just might not adapt as easily. And so the people who are already on Facebook are, of course, gradually getting older and less and less young people are getting on Facebook. So it leads to this like ever aging demographic of active users and less new accounts from young people for sure. But also Facebook made the birthdays option private. So you, you don't have to share your birthday on Facebook. <laughs> which I always thought was like one of the best appeals. But then I started thinking about it. I don't need to know like 750 people's birthdays. And I don't have to feel guilty about not wishing everyone happy birthday, you know? Like odds are for more for Facebook, they wouldn't have wished me happy birthday either. So it's really not a big deal. But Facebook made it seem like for such a long time you had to know people's birthdays, you know? But you used to be able to like export the birthday calendar. And now you can't do that because everything's like private. But like I said, probably not a big thing. You really don't need 
to wish all those people happy birthday. And you also shouldn't expect all those people to wish you happy birthday. And lastly, the thing that I used to use Facebook for, which I no longer am, is uploading your photos. Doing albums seemed like such a great idea, but you actually lose some of the quality of your photo, which is really unfortunate because if that's the only place that you're keeping your photos and you have to download them back, that original quality has been lost. I don't think that was a good idea anymore, and I wish I hadn't done that. But that was what I would do if I like ran out of space on my phone. Just dump everything to Facebook, delete them all from my phone, and keep taking photos. <laughs> that was literally the only purpose I had for Facebook. I think one of the bigger problems I see with Facebook, though, is actually just the way that its algorithm seems to be designed to promote negative posts. Um, they even kind of admitted the dangers of this at one point, but I feel like I could like rant about this forever. It's just, in general, algorithms promote what gets the most engagement because that's what keeps people on the app the longest. And for whatever reason, by our very faulty nature, we are more likely to take action when we're upset about something, when we're outraged about something. So when people start posting stuff like that, that also gets a reaction out of people and people start to respond there. So the algorithm rewards this. But there's no kind of security measures in place to see what is getting promoted wide scale. But anyway, it starts to encourage the, the sharing of lots of negative, angry, outrageous sort of behaviors, whether it has any basis in facts or reality at all. Now, that's just kind of the problem with algorithms in general. It looks at everything very mechanically, but at the same time, it does seem that this is a, a much higher rate on Facebook than on other platforms. Okay, but enough about Facebook. I've probably picked on it just a bit too much, and I probably talked about it a bit too much, but if only you guys knew how much I actually cut out. <laughs> So we're going to keep the rest just a bit simpler. Naturally, the next app would be the other popular Facebook-owned app. Well, Meta-owned app. Facebook, back when it was just Facebook, purchased Instagram several years ago. So now Meta owns Instagram. But it has not always been that way, right? Instagram used to be Instagram. And it had an incredibly strong user base. And clearly, Facebook saw that potential to strengthen their overall standing as a company. And so they decided to acquire Instagram. It's funny, though, because Instagram kind of seems to have primarily the opposite effect of Facebook, where Facebook can be a place that a lot of negativity tends to just like flood. Instagram tends to have a much more chipper vibe. Everything's a bit more positive, right? It tends to promote people's highlight reels. It doesn't seem to be the platform that people want to go to if they want to be as negative. I'm not saying that doesn't exist. I'm just saying primarily there's a lot more positivity, I think, on Instagram than there is negativity. It seems like if you want to be really negative, if you want to be sarcastic, if you want to have an attitude about something, there are other platforms that you can take to other than Instagram. Again, not saying it never happens, but I feel like generally Instagram has a more positive vibe. But then also maybe that's just the Instagram that I live on. Now, even though things generally seem pretty positive on Instagram, there's good and bad to that. While I think that all emotions are contagious and I think it's great to spread positivity, too much happiness and joy coming from others can also leave you feeling like you're missing something, like you're not enough or like there's something wrong with you. And so there is definite dangers to the fact that Instagram does always post people's highlight reels. It's just not an accurate reflection of anyone's reality. And so even in recognizing that, it still may be challenging to actually separate those ideas in your head and stop comparing yourself to what you see on someone else's Instagram feed. And then there's Twitter. Twitter I have had my ups and downs with. I am personally, as of right now, officially off of it, but I very much understand the appeal here. Twitter is where sarcasm lives, which is great. <laughs> it's for those like witty little quips and a bit of a darker side of humor. It's very entertaining. I will not argue that. And also this is like where hashtags began, which is obviously very prevalent in a lot of things now. On the other hand, while cyberbullying and harassment are present across all platforms, Twitter gets this like different kind because it's generally a non it's less like actually personal and just like some stranger attacking you. I mean, this is the perfect example of people hiding behind the safety of their profile photos or fake handles or whatever it is because they honestly don't know the people that they are threatening and they feel safe. Like this person has no idea who they are. So they just kind of say whatever they want and it's ridiculous. I, I don't know. In my opinion, I feel like most social media makes us actually feel less distant from each other. It like brings us all together. I feel like Twitter kind of does the opposite. I feel like Twitter reinforces that distance and like keeps you protected so that you can just like mouth off to complete strangers. It is like just blatant harassment and abuse that occurs on Twitter and it's very mind-blowing to me. I also feel like you could throw the YouTube comments section in there too. 
On that note, YouTube is obviously primarily for consuming content unless you are one of the creators yourself, but this is where I personally spend most of my time. If you are just a consumer of information on YouTube, like myself, then I think it's very important to set boundaries because if you're not the creator, you likely don't have to deal with any abuse or personal attacks, but you also need to be aware of your consumption and the way that you see the things that you're paying attention to. So the only time that you'll get some like negative interactions generally is like if you comment something on someone's video and their followers like come for you. So generally this can be minimized pretty easily. Like people aren't just seeking out profiles to like bully. You have to actually be like actively engaging in like the comment section there and you have to say something generally that's going to upset somebody in order to get them to like come back at you on YouTube in the comment section. I feel like you have to be like very intentional on YouTube if you're trying to start drama because you either go to a video that you know that you like disagree with and then like post something that says that you disagree with it and then all the fans will like come for you or you like have the occasional interaction with like you put some kind of positive reaction and there was a troll that did exactly what I just said that was like from some other group and they decided to like come to this video specifically to just harass people. I think it's fairly easy on YouTube to avoid that if you want to. Not to mention that there's a lot of ways that you can engage with YouTube without even actually seeing any of the comments, so you can kind of ignore all of that drama too. I think it's safe to say that most of us are on YouTube just to watch videos though. We can get news updates, tutorials, educational videos, life tips and hacks. Um, We can watch reviews to keep us from making purchasing mistakes. We can get exposure to different cultures, travel tips, relatable content, just plain old entertainment. I feel like you can find whatever you want to on YouTube and it's amazing. But similar to Instagram, I think it's very important to recognize that this is generally someone's highlight reel as well. So this is someone's perfectly curated video. And I've even seen some YouTubers open up more recently about their struggle with this of like finding that line between making a video that's entertaining and visually pleasing to watch and you know does require editing of course like you can't just record content and just like throw it up there just it's not going to go anywhere but then also trying to balance that with like the reality of like accurately reflecting their life but in a way that's still going to keep people interested it definitely is a challenge and I'm saying that like I'm not even a creator but I, I get that I guess I'm creating a podcast and it's kind of the same thing in a way like I do have to like plan these things out I'm not just like turning on a microphone phone and recording nonsense because that's what happened last week and it didn't work out and I had to redo everything. So, you know, there there is planning that goes into YouTube videos and there is, of course, a lot of editing that goes into YouTube videos and so, so much to make it like visually appealing to you. Like I can't even imagine how much time is spent editing those videos. Now we're getting a bit closer to the end here. So there's Snapchat, the app where I guess everyone is a creator, right? (laughs) But also the popular stories feature that led to Instagram stories. I don't really use Snapchat much anymore myself. I couldn't really tell you why. I get on like once every few months and I respond to messages. But I guess when I could get the story features on Instagram, I just didn't really feel the need to stay on Snapchat. I know one of the cool things about Snapchat is they've really gamified like keeping people on the app, which is a very smart choice on their part. They've done this by adding things like streaks and best friend badges that you can earn, getting a Snapchat score based on how many you've like sent and received over time. And you can go and you can kind of see your relationship with somebody. And they also have the, the memories on there, which is excellent. Apparently there are tons of hidden features as well though. So I don't know about the hidden features, but I was doing a little bit of research and apparently there's like this whole kind of like secret world of Snapchat where like if you know, you know, and if you don't, well you're not that cool. So I guess this gives the users of Snapchat something extra, something like an extra reward, you know? And so I think that that definitely ups the appeal of it. It helps you feel like you know something that like other people don't. And so I get it. That seems pretty cool. Well done, Snapchat. But for me personally, without knowing all of those special features, I just don't really see a whole lot of entertainment value coming there for me. And so I just almost never get on. I've actually kind of offloaded the app and shut off notifications. So if I ever want to check it, I have to re-download the app and then log in and check all my notifications, which I do every few months probably. But I did read that Snapchat has one of the highest rates of cyberbullying, which I almost found confusing at first because I didn't really feel like it was that much different than any other kind of direct messaging app. It didn't really occur to me what people could do. And I thought because of the fact that it's not like a public display of bullying that, I don't know, maybe that would make people be worse. But also I felt like maybe it was a bit better because it would shield you from like being bullied in front of everyone. But then I started thinking about it more. You can create group chats 
where like the group could like gang up on people and you could send videos. If you're sending text, you can save those messages, you can screenshot them, whatever. If you're sending a photo, same thing, you can screenshot. And so like there can be evidence that way. But if somebody just sends a video and there's no like text on the screen or anything and they're bullying someone and like that bullying never leaves, you know, like you're not going, you're not getting bullied at school and then you come home and you're free from it for a few hours. Like you're still being bullied at home and you don't really have a whole lot of control. I mean, you could block the people, which is probably the wise thing to do. But still, like by the time somebody sends a video and then you go to like show it to your principal or show it to your parents or whoever, show it to another friend so that they can come to your defense, whatever it is, it's gone. Unless you know that it's going to happen, you can't like preemptively record it. So I don't know. This is me speculating here. Maybe that is why the cyberbullying problem is like really, really high on Snapchat. I don't know. If you know more about this, definitely let me know. Okay, and to wrap all this up, there's TikTok, which has another feature that Instagram was like, ooh, I'll take that. Hello, Reels. So I'll be honest and say that I use Reels because it's convenient. It's right where my followers and I already are. And I really honestly love how supportive the small business community on Instagram is. Like everyone is just so helpful and so encouraging. So I don't personally feel the need to run to another platform like TikTok, but TikTok itself has like really exploded. And if you spend enough hours on it interacting with what you like, it really learns enough about you that it picks the perfect content to show you on your For You page. It is like, like I said before, a very powerful algorithm. And I know how distracted I can get while watching Reels. I definitely get the appeal of like this type of short form video, but I also apparently TikTok also has long form, which I had no idea. But either way, it's super entertaining. But this type of content gives people a basis to work off of creatively to kind of inspire them to create their own videos, which I think is really cool. And you just kind of like put your own spin on it. And like I said last week, creativity is a muscle you have to exercise. So this is definitely one way of getting you to think differently. Like if you're copying other people's videos, that's kind of crap. But if you're taking the audio and you're getting creative and applying it in your own way, then that's a pretty good exercise for your brain. Also, you know, cool if you make your own audios, but certain audios definitely trend and that increases your exposure immensely. And so it makes it so that like anyone can very quickly build up an audience, which is really, really cool. And I don't, I don't use TikTok, like I said, so I'm probably missing some of the benefits here and, and also probably even some of the, the downsides. But I do think that it is an incredibly skilled app at wasting our time. But apparently this one also has a statistically high rate of cyberbullying. I didn't look into necessarily like why this happens and I don't really know the app well enough to have my own opinions about why that might happen. But to be totally fair, it seems that cyberbullying thing is very apparent across all platforms. Facebook and Instagram included. So unfortunately, at this point, it doesn't seem like there's much of a way around it. And I wish I had an answer to this problem, but I don't. And a lot of action is going to have to be taken, I think, across all platforms if that's something they want to be serious about monitoring and improving. Whether that's cyberbullying for kids or even harassment. I mean, the harassment on social media is a lot. Okay. Wow. I think I've talked about these enough. I skipped over forums like Reddit and search engines like Pinterest. Yes. Pinterest functions as a search engine. It's a very powerful one at that, even if you might not initially see it that way. But overall, each of these platforms has their entertaining, educational, and profitable benefits for sure. People can build businesses off of it, which is, wow, crazy. You can, like, make a living on these platforms. However, there are also dangers. I think bullying and harassment is obviously one of the bigger issues. It doesn't even matter what age you are, like bullying obviously when you're young, but that harassment still exists even when you're older. Jerks will be jerks no matter what age, I suppose. But outside of that, I feel like we can internalize a lot of the things that we see on social media, you know, like feeling like we aren't enough and comparing ourselves to other people. But also one of the things I think that leads to unhealthy relationships, which is feeling like everyone is and also should be so accessible that like they should respond to you quickly. We live in a time very different than any other time in history when it comes to contacting people. Before, if you wanted to contact somebody, you would have to like physically be with them in person. And then we had house phones and then you could call. But guess what? If you were busy, if you were eating dinner, for example, we were not allowed to answer the phone at dinner, at least in my household. So growing up, if the phone rang at dinner, like it had to go to the answering machine and you just let that happen. And then you know what? You call them back whenever. It's not like, oh, dinner's over. I'm going to call them back. Like you called them back when it was time to call them back. So you still had the control there. But it seems like in today's society, because we've gotten so used to everybody being so accessible and like everyone has their phones on them, which means they should be free all the time, right? But no, like you do not have to be accessible all day, every day. And like now, like, you know, you used to just like give your phone number to people that you wanted them to be able to contact you. But now you don't have to do that. People can find you on any form of social media and anybody can reach out to you and kind of like demand your time. 
I think if you think about it like this, like it is very unhealthy that anybody expects that kind of response from you. I also think that we are less likely to prioritize like in-person quality time. And I feel like it also detracts from the quality time that we have with ourselves, with our friends, and with our family because that time that we're supposed to be spending with ourselves, with our friends, with our family could be spent on social media or something instead, instead of being present. Not only that, it kind of destroys our people skills. So we have a harder time communicating in person or even over the phone. Like how many times has somebody given you a call out of the blue and you're like, this is uncomfortable? Or like you've had to like call and order pizza and you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk on the phone. I would rather just use the app, you know? That that is, that's the world that we live in. It's very, very common now. I feel like our generation is so weird about phone calls. And so anyway, so even though we are like plenty engaged with people on social media, we may actually even be like more distant because of it. Not to mention that we are screwing up our sleep schedules, our eyes, our physical health, our attention spans, like so many of these things can be severely affected. And maybe we can talk more about that in a future episode. But also people are like constantly making comparisons can lead to unhappiness and a lack of satisfaction with your life. It can lead to depression and things getting worse. Also, it makes us feel like our opinions need to be shared. They deserve to be shared, that our faces need to be seen, that our voices need to be heard, and that everyone needs to know what that you successfully folded and put away your laundry without letting it sit for two days like woohoo big win I mean look I get it sometimes we're having a rough time and it's important to celebrate the little wins as we start to build momentum to the bigger ones but we should also recognize why we are sharing is it out of like caring love and kindness towards yourself or to help others celebrate the little wins too or is it out of like self-absorbed love that everyone needs to know even the most minute details of your life is a fine line and simply having awareness doesn't always do the trick. Yeah, but social media definitely seems to have drawn out the narcissist in all of us. And lastly, there's just no privacy and seemingly no respect that people reserve the right to privacy and the right to not respond or not engage with something the moment that we see it. Everyone is expected to be available at all hours of the day. And I just feel like that is incredibly intrusive and very inappropriate. So the next thing to think about is just determining your dependence on social media. So like how dependent are you? Take the time to ask yourself some questions. Take a look at your screen time on your phone. You may honestly be surprised. You may not realize how much time you're actually spending on these apps, especially collectively. You know, if you set a limit for Instagram or set a limit for social media or set a limit for whatever, but don't do like a collective limit, then you're definitely spending a lot of time cumulatively on these apps. So definitely check your screen time. I personally don't use a lot of social media anymore. I'd say maybe like between two to three hours in one week. And I have my daily limit set to one hour just in case I do hit that. And I would say maybe one day a week I do that. And then all the other days I average like maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Personally, I feel like this is an extremely low amount of time to spend on social media. And like Instagram is the only social media that I use. And I also have four accounts. I help my mom with her business. I have my art business. I have my podcast. And I have my personal I haven't always been this way though. I used to spend the majority of my time on Instagram and I honestly struggle with how little I use it now because I actually think that I'm not using it enough for business related work and for interacting with people and building that engagement. I know that it's something I should be investing my time in, but I'm finding it really hard to find that balance and like keep those boundaries drawn. But I would say like the one day a week that I do hit the limit, it's crazy to me how quickly that time has gone. And so again, like you just may be surprised. So absolutely like take a look. You can hit that limit in one sitting easily. You may feel like it's only been 15 minutes, but suddenly like your whole evening is gone and you're like, wait, I didn't even eat dinner. What happened? And I know that I would run the risks of that if I didn't have after one hour, it's saying like, hey, you've hit your time limit for the day. We're cutting you off because usually that hour has flown by and I would have lost a whole lot more time if it weren't for that. I'd also ask yourself like how important it is to you that your posts perform well. I think this is very telling about your dependence on social media and that dopamine hit. So how important is it that you get likes, views, comments, interactions? Are you posting for other people or are you posting for yourself? I think this is another area that it is very hard not to compare yourself to others. So it's hard to see other people that are getting such high engagement on posts and then you see yours flop and you start to wonder why. And like that could be painful, whether it's personal or for business. But there are so many factors at play that are out of your control. So just post for you and be happy with it. Instagram has recently started removing the number of likes on posts. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but they've been experimenting with this for a little while now. But how else would you know how unworthy you are and how much harder you have to keep working and how you should never take a break? It's all about the likes. It's all about the number of comments. It's all about the number of dollars that you make. It's all about the number of hours you work at your job because we love to value ourselves with numbers. 
Naturally, we're conditioned to think that this is actually an effective way to measure our self-worth. But anyway, that's a topic for a whole other day. I am curious, though, what are your thoughts on the including the number of likes or just keeping it the way that it's been? I don't know. I feel like the exception should be for businesses because, like, those likes do kind of help you build trust. And so, like, if you're selling something on Instagram, people having that trust is important and people feeling safe to buy from you, you know? I don't know. I'm going to turn it over to you guys. What do you guys think? But also these likes and comments and follows are really great for giving us that nice like dopamine hit too. I feel like we all, of course, love that when that comes in, the little vibration or a ring on our phones. And when the phone lights up, we're like, I'm loved, I'm wanted, I'm needed, oh my gosh. I'm very important. And it's just another one of those ways of defining our self-worth. But we really start to crave that. And so what do we do? We spend more time on social media. We engage with more accounts. We post more. We create more. We story more. We share more. And it can easily become very addicting and very problematic as it really kind of takes us away from the real world in so many ways. And so I guess that's why most importantly, the thing that you should be doing is checking in with your feelings for any kind of social media. How does it make you feel? Do you feel better after you're on social media or do you feel worse? Do you feel guilty? Are you spending too much time? Do you need to set boundaries? Is it benefiting you? Is it hurting you? Are you hurting yourself in an attempt to feel better, but it's actually backfiring? Have you been a victim of abuse on social media? There are dark sides of every corner of the internet, but there are also amazing communities of positive and supportive accounts as well. So if you do not have a safe space on the internet, then you really need to go find one that works for you and that makes you feel good. Do not subject yourself to pain. You deserve better. Alright guys, so the last thing that I want to talk about is something that may not be feasible for everyone. You have to know yourself, know your work schedule, know the platforms that you need to use, etc, etc. But it's going to be talking about ways of taking back control. You have to figure out what works for you. I myself am very content with where my personal usage is right now. However, I did mention I'm still working on sorting everything out when it comes to my art and my podcast accounts and just figuring out a way to spend time on it for business purposes, but not have that seep into my personal usage and kind of begin to overflow and take over my life. So still working on finding the specific boundaries that are going to work for me. And that's important that you do the same for yourself. But simple tips, as mentioned before, would be setting time limits and also restricted hours. I didn't really go into that too much, but restricted hours is one of my favorite things to do. So like putting things in like a sleep mode or a focus mode so that people cannot contact you during the hours of whenever to whenever. Honestly, I make myself available like eight hours a day and I think that's even a lot. And even during those times, I still put my phone away when I'm like working on something so that even if messages come in, I don't have to respond to them. But the other 16 hours of the day, I do not even know if you send me a message until that mode gets shut off. So from the hours of 8 p.m. until noon the next day, I'm unavailable. If you call, it will not come through. If you text, I won't see it unless I am on my phone and I actively like go check it out. So I really do try my best to avoid my phone during those hours. So I just shut off those notifications. So I'm not even like risking seeing those things. To me, I think that is more powerful than even setting the time limits. It does frustrate people because they'll like call me and it'll go straight to voicemail. But if it's important, call me again or leave me a voicemail or send me a text message and eventually I'll get it, but I'll know that it's important. But if it just goes to voicemail and you don't leave me a voicemail and then you don't follow up with a text message, then I'm going to assume it wasn't that important that you don't really need to talk to me. When I talk about my habits online on social media, I feel like a jerk. I do. I feel like I set such strict boundaries for myself, especially because I work entirely digitally. My whole work life is in digital form. And so it is very important for me to set those boundaries or else I don't get stuff done. I am self-employed. I do things all by myself. If I do not set those boundaries, then I am wasting my time, wasting my energy. And it's like, how would your boss like it if you spent your day on your phone wasting time and yet they were still paying you? I don't get paid unless I do my work. So for me, having this self-discipline in this area is so important for me or else I'm never going to make any money. The nice thing too, I think about setting the time limits though, is that once you hit your time limit, if notifications come in after that, you don't even get notified of that either until the next day when your time limit resets. So That's just another cool feature there. (laughs) The other day, I had, like, put some things on social media, and I was engaging in some discussions, and then I hit my 
time limit for the day. And the next morning, I like woke up and I was like, oh, wow, all these people responded overnight. No, they didn't. They responded the day before in the afternoon or in the evening, and I didn't have access to the app. So I decided out of mind. Another very simple tip would be removing the apps from your home screen or creating cute little widgets to replace them. So like I like to do this. I like all my stuff on my phone to have like this aesthetic look. So I will like color my apps and stuff on Procreate. And then I put them in there as these like shortcut widgets. And so they look like the app, but in a different color. And guess what? They don't get the little red bubble at the top that tells me my notification number. So it all just like looks very clean. And I don't have this like anxiety inducing red bubble that's like check, check, check. Whether that's my mail, whether that's my Instagram, whether that's anything else that might possibly have like a push notification, I don't see any of it. So in addition, you could actually just like shut off your notifications. That stuff doesn't have to exist. And if you're like feeling like super disciplined and like or or just like you really need to do this, one of the most powerful things you could do is like full on shut off those notifications and just check when you want to. Like decide I'm only checking my email twice a day. I'm checking my email at noon and I'm checking my email at five or I'm checking my text messages at noon and five, you know, like just decide. People do not need to have access to you every minute of every day. I've said this before. I'll say it again. You deserve your own boundaries and you deserve to get whatever it is that you're prioritizing done. You do not need to be at everyone's beck and call. And frankly, if they don't respect that, that is disrespectful on their part. And they probably don't have healthy boundaries that they can set. The only time that you want to be available for this is for an emergency situation. Realistically, that does not happen all day, every day. Yes, it can happen whenever. But that's like one of the beautiful features on an iPhone is like if you have it in these settings and people call multiple times in a certain number of seconds or minutes or whatever, then it will let the additional calls go through because it understands like, hey, this is priority. And also you can set it's not like your favorites, like family members or whoever who you know you really want to hear from if it's an emergency, you can set them so that these notifications don't apply to them. But I cannot even begin to tell you, and I don't even do this for everything, but like if you were to shut off all of your notifications and just choose when you want to access things, you immediately have taken back all of the control but that's a little extreme for some people so I understand if that's not a step that you're willing to take totally get it I haven't gone quite that far but the idea of being fully in control and not letting social media control me is like very very appealing (laughs) right now I do feel like I'm in a good place though so I don't feel like I need to go quite that extreme but if I ever get to that point at least I know what I need to do you know I also think another thing is like everybody needs to understand that if someone's not responding right away it doesn't have to be personal at all you know like please do not take it personally Some of us just have to be strict with ourselves, like I said. Some people may need to, like, lock their phone in a drawer or something or use some of those websites or apps that do lock everything up for you and, like, they don't give you a choice. (laughs) Like, no, sorry, you can't access this website. No, sorry, you can't access your phone. Also, make sure you have your online statuses shut off. So no matter what platform it is, if it's one that shows if you're online, make sure you shut that off because... Again, you do not have to be on call or available for everyone all the time. And if someone sees, well, unless you just don't care if they see your online status and then like message you and you just don't respond. Because there are plenty of people that are just like waiting for those green bubbles and are like, hey, this person's on. Let me talk to them. But like these aren't the days of like AOL or Instant Messenger, you know, where you're like, oh, my buddy list. Look who's on. And you just start messaging people. That's really not the thing anymore. So like be respectful of people's time. That's all I'm saying. You know, and it's especially important for me as somebody with multiple accounts that I have those online statuses shut off because, like, even if I'm on one account, it would show that I'm online for all my other accounts. So if I was on, like, my art account or on my podcast account, it's going to show on my personal account that I'm online. When I'm not, I'm not there for personal things. I'm, like, there for work-related things. And so not having that online status is very important to me because then people don't think when I'm doing my art stuff or when I'm doing my podcast work that me over on my personal side is like on and free and available to chat like you can message me whenever but I'm not going to respond and I don't want to have my online status telling you otherwise so I personally shut it off so that all of them aren't like not active because I honestly have like planned time for when I'm on social media it is worked into my schedule like hey this is your time for getting on Instagram this is your time for posting something on Instagram and I have like I have this very strictly mapped out and so when I'm getting on there and I'm posting something I get distracted. I don't have the time to get distracted. I didn't get on there to get distracted. You know, just because someone's online does not mean that they're free to carry on a 30-minute or more conversation. I try to be really disciplined because if I stay on chat, I mean, I love talking to people. I really love talking to people. And I will spend a long time talking to somebody. I love having a conversation. But if I do that, if I'm not strict about this, then I end up losing most of my day to just conversations. And I'm like, well, man. Plus, like, once I get in the groove of, like, doing nothing, like, 
it's this whole like object in motion stays in motion thing is like it's a real thing if you don't think about it you should probably start momentum is so powerful so whether that's negative and you're just like sitting around not doing anything and you have no momentum like an object at rest stays at rest it's so true so like when you're sitting there on your phone and you're resting and you're wasting time or you're watching YouTube videos all day or you're laying around and you're watching videos or something or binge watching some show on Netflix, it becomes even harder to get started again. I fall into these ruts all the time working from home, which is why I think To Do, the app that I was telling you guys about, has been so great for me this week because I'm seriously like... It has allowed me to actually schedule in my downtime so then I know that I'm not just like – I don't get too comfortable where I'm like, oh, I could just sit and watch YouTube videos for the next like hour or two. I'm like, no, I've got 20 to 30 minutes to like pick whatever YouTube video I want to watch for the day and like chill and just watch it. And like if I finish my stuff again early later, I can go watch another video. But like me already going in with that mindset that like this is just a break and this is not like chilling, then like it still manages to keep that momentum. Like it's okay. It's not as hard to get back into things then. But I tell myself that I'm going to like – watch one video and then I watch another video and another video and another video, then it becomes really hard for me to stop watching videos and start doing something. But honestly, I do this like restrictive thing with my messages and phone calls too. I know I mentioned that like I do not want to wake up and first look at my phone and see all of my notifications and like go into a panic mode because somebody was trying to call me or whatever. I I don't like to wake up to messages. I think for like the first like, I don't know, five to 10 years of having a phone, I liked waking up to messages because it did make me feel wanted. But like now with the boundaries and stuff I've said, and I don't, it makes me wake up anxious. Like what did I miss? What do I have to respond to? I do not like to wake up to messages. Leave me alone at night. (laughs) And I also just feel like setting these boundaries until like noon means that I can wake up and like start my morning on my time. I don't have to worry about feeling anxious about anything else that's going on in the world. I just like get up start my morning as I want. If I decide to look at my phone, then I decide to look at my phone. But I don't want to feel like I have to. So, you know, restricting my hours from like 8 p.m. until noon gives me ample time to wind down at night without having to worry about anything and then like ample time to get up and start my morning and even have quite a bit of productivity before I feel like I have to worry about being available for other people. We're definitely getting close to wrapping this up. So this is my last and probably like biggest piece of advice and it does take a lot of time. But As mentioned, algorithms can have a detrimental effect. They are here to tailor our experience to us, but they use data that is constantly being collected to determine what to show you. What is going to work to keep you online for as long as possible? So one, you have to set boundaries for yourself because the whole time, this algorithm is trying to keep you on the app. You're fighting this machine, basically, for your time freedom. So be disciplined and set those boundaries. But also be intentional with how you engage with things. If you aren't being hyper intentional about curating an experience that serves you, you can easily end up down a rabbit hole of content that fuels the anger and frustration inside of you or any potentially irrational thoughts that you usually have enough sense to tell to go away. But the algorithm doesn't have that sense. It works mechanically, like I said before. So if you slip up and you start liking some kind of outrageous posts that do support some of like the concerns that you have inside of you, but you're like realistically like, no, that's not real. Because let's face it, we all have thoughts like that. But when you start engaging with these things, the algorithm's like, oh, okay, let's show you a little more. Let's see what you do. You engage you don't engage, this tells it what to do next. So if you keep engaging with it, it's going to keep adding that kind of content to put in front of you. And the more you see of this content, the more you start to believe that this is a more popular idea than it may actually be. And the more that you start to believe that there's probably more truth to it than there may actually be. So you just have to be really, really careful with what you're telling the algorithm to show you more of because it can snowball so, so easily. And you know, maybe that's where you want to be. And I'm not here to tell you not to be. I'm not here to control your life in any way. But I'm just telling you that you are not in control. The algorithm is in control. So you have to be very conscious about what you're telling the algorithm you want it to do for you. There's a world of information out there already on just about every topic from just about every perspective. You can find any information to support any idea. And maybe each person approaches that as if they're telling it. And maybe each person believes that this is true and they are approaching this topic as if it is fact. But that's not always the case. So all I'm saying is to be mindful of that and know that if you aren't being mindful of that, if you're not actively telling the algorithm, I want to see more of this, I don't want to see more of this, then the algorithm is choosing for you and controlling 
what you're exposed to. It is a brilliantly dangerous thing. So for me, my recommendation is to choose the type of content that builds you up, not that drags you down. Know that you're feeding some kind of monster, but you get to decide what kind of monster it turns out to be. Is it a cute monster? Is it a helpful monster? Or is it like a fire-breathing monster of death? I myself am always aiming to choose accounts that either educate me or inspire me. If the post isn't reminding me of ways to be a healthier, better version of myself, mentally, physically, nutritionally, how to love myself, how to waste less on this planet, if it isn't helping me support other small businesses and artists, or how to learn to be a better, more aware global citizen, then I will almost never engage with it. My entertainment aspect from social media comes from travel accounts, and I feel like travel teaches me how to be a better advocate for the earth, a better lover of all cultures, a healthier version of myself, and how to remain motivated to hit my goals so that I can keep living a life of travel since that is such a priority for me. Yes, I do engage with friends' accounts when they pop up or when they send me messages, but they really honestly don't show up much in my feed. I'm very particular because I just don't want Instagram to backfire on me. However, one of the downsides of being so disciplined is that I definitely lose some of the social aspect of social media because I honestly just get less engagement with friends and I don't really use it to be social. I do use messages for that, but I don't use the rest of social media for that. So I'm generally going to like engage with people via like text or Zoom calls or coffee or tea dates or something. So I'll, I will generally use like texting, WhatsApp, WeChat, just like messaging apps, you know, to like keep in touch with people and have that kind of engagement rather than doing it in the form of social media. And then hopefully, of course, some more like personal things like Zoom calls and then even next level like coffee or tea dates or like going out to dinner or just like hanging out and having a night in together you know just being friends doing the friend thing but I guess one of the the bigger downsides too is something you have to be aware of is when you are curating your feed to be something that works really well for you you also want to be aware that like you're telling the algorithm what to show you more of so it can become very one-sided and it's important to know if you're like being exposed to just a bubble of information and not branching out at all so, so I would definitely try to make sure that you're getting some outside influences. Like every now and again, it would be beneficial to seek out some other, make sure they're reputable accounts so that ones that maybe are within the realm of things that you're interested in, but maybe they have a different perspective to share. But just make sure that it's a reliable source. Having different perspectives is not wrong, but you do have to be careful about where you're getting your information from. Having a different perspective, being exposed to people with different perspectives is not wrong, but it is important to consider the source. There is danger with being in a bubble. Like I said, it allows us to believe that everyone agrees with us, and then you like end up in a situation where you find somebody that doesn't agree with you, and you're like caught off guard, and you don't even know what to say because you didn't think that people disagreed with you. You just lived in this bubble where everybody shared the same opinion. That's something that I've had to deal with in the last like five years since returning home because I lived in a bubble and then I came home to a very different bubble. There is no in-between in these bubbles. There is no overlap. It's very, very hard. <laughs> Probably one of the hardest things about returning home is being in two very, very, very different bubbles and feeling very out of place in this bubble. And I did go through a period of like shock, like what? How do you even believe these things? And not that I completely understand much of it now, but I am realizing because of these two different bubbles and because of the fact they are so separated, so far apart, these overlaps will never exist. And the people from, like, I can understand that they're in a different bubble, but I also realize they're in a bubble. So arguing and having fights about these things is almost useless because there's just no way of sharing opinions. Not everyone is open to sharing opinions. Some people are very comfortable with their bubble. And because they've been in their bubble for so long and they haven't ventured out of their bubble, they believe that other people who are in a different bubble are just flat out wrong. The same way that anyone in any kind of bubble thinks that everyone outside of the bubble is crazy. And that's one of the problems with the internet too. Like that's why the internet has become so divisive is everybody finds these bubbles where they feel fully justified in all of their thoughts. And then when they finally like interact with people from other bubbles, fit hits the shan, man. It's crazy. And that's where we are with the internet these days. And it's seeping into our lives with other people. It's a lot of chaos out there. And a very, and very, very, very little patience and understanding for people with other ideas and even an openness to consider what other people say. I don't have the solution. We're all independent thinkers. Kind of. Sort of. Not really. But we could be. We could be. However, I'm not unaware of the fact that I also choose what information I consume. And I kind of feel like this is not where I planned on ending this conversation I kind of got carried away a little bit on my own. Um, the point is, at least be aware of your bubble. And know that everyone else has their own bubble. And as strongly as you feel about the things in your bubble, they also strongly feel about the things in their bubble. And that if you don't put some feelers out and see what's going on in other bubbles, you're never going to understand the people in the other bubble. 
And you don't have to agree with them. But sometimes a little insight is helpful, even if they aren't willing to show you the same courtesy. I'm all for well-rounded educations and opinions. doesn't mean it's going to change your opinion. It's not always easy either. It can be very frustrating, but it's just one of those things that I think is at least important to consider. Because everyone has a different story and a reason for believing what they believe, wrongfully or rightfully. It's whatever their truth seems to be for them. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I guess, where I'm going to end this podcast. So um, it's been great chatting with you guys again and um, talking a whole lot about a whole lot. And I hope that in some way, whether this is taught you something or inspired you to take some action on taking back control of your own life or whatever it is, I just hope that you got something out of this podcast. And I look forward to chatting with you guys again very soon. Have a good week. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Girl Meets 30. If you're looking for more ways to engage in these discussions about growing ourselves through this chaotic, beautiful mess we call life, then come join the conversation on Instagram. You can find me at girlmeets30. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a five-star rating and a follow on your preferred listening platform. Thanks again for your support, and I'll catch you guys next week.